2: For Montana's only daily sports talk show, is Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: I like football! Football to talk about pretty much all day long, two days in a row. Seems like what we should do for the rest of the year, huh? Welcome in, everybody. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and uh, the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. My saga, it might be over. I don't want to tell you all the way uh, about it just because I'm superstitious. It's the baseball guy in me. I don't want to jinx it, but... uh, Spent the morning here in Missoula Broadcasting Catching up with everybody And getting some stuff rolling, some ideas rolling Some new stuff coming at you uh, Here the next couple weeks and months And then uh, I've been having this Unbelievable car dilemma Which I've documented on this show quite a few times And we might be coming to the end Or at least we might be coming At the very least to a new chapter So we'll see (laughs) But either way uh, I don't want to jinx it I'll tell you about it I'm just happy to be here with you I'm on cloud nine right now because I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that this is going to be over. Uh, but I'm also on cloud nine because we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about coming out of the Big Sky Conference kickoff. Andrew Houghton back in the house. He's on the other side of the glass. So we had him on live uh, remotely from Spokane yesterday. But we'll talk some more Big Sky Conference football right off the top. Also, uh, if you haven't heard, this is really cool. If you have heard, you're probably really excited about this. The uh, Fight Fusion series is coming to. Missoula, this is a uh, MMA promotion. In fact, the biggest MMA promotion in the Northwest. And there's a fight night down there at uh, Ogren Park on Allegiance Field there at the Missoula Paddlehead Stadium uh, on Saturday night. So we will have some people from Fight Fusion in here to to preview that action. And we got tickets for you. We're going to give you a pair today and a pair tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Fight Fusion tickets. Fight night under the lights at the field, uh, the Missoula Paddleheads field there in the Sawmill District in Missoula on Saturday night. So that should be super fun. We also got some free area for you and our Treasure State Stars, a couple of our Tuesday staples, and we got the business angle with Justin Angle. the uh, overlay between business and sports. We talked some Women's World Cup. We talked some Kylian Mbappe and his n- unbelievable, truly mind-melting contract, and uh, we also talked – Patrick Mahomes and uh, the quarterback documentary, what's it doing for his image as a marketing pawn, as somebody that's um, one of the biggest endorsement guys in all of professional sports. So that's a fun uh, business angle. And then we'll maybe get some details uh, on the Women's World Cup. The uh, United States women's national team plays tomorrow. So uh, we're underway, and this is always a really fun time of year. I don't know about you, but I love the World Cup. I love, I love any sort of international competition, any sort of international, especially team sport competition, where it's truly global and, and it's for, you know, worldwide glory. Uh, I just think it's so fun. And so I, I'm super into the uh, Women's World Cup, and I can't wait to, to learn more about it. So Andrew and I will talk uh, our way through it. Uh, to wrap you up here in hour number two. If you want us now, you can always stream the show, 1029ESPN.com or by using the ESPN MT app. If you want to be a part of the show, please call us, text us, 406-888-1029. That's triple eight one zero two nine, And all guests will join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. How about Killian Mbappe? I know you love this guy, Andrew. Uh, first of all, uh, the first number that came down the pipe was 300 million euros. So that's like $320 million for the uh, Saudi Arabian Club to purchase Mbappe's rights. And then they offer him a contract worth more than three quarters of a billion dollars. $775 billion to be exact. Oh, it's just unreal to me that uh, you could have somebody that makes... I mean, Jalen Brown on the richest contract in NBA history today, and it's not even half of what Kylian Mbappe is about to sign for. It just seems impossible.
3: Oh, it's not impossible when you have uh, the riches of a, a sovereign state backing your sports teams. Uh, yeah, we'll see if it gets done. It would be super interesting, and that would be Coulter for, for one year. Because all they would be be buying is the rest of his contract from Paris Saint-Germain, which goes for, for one more year, and that's sort of what the controversy is because everybody knows he wants to end up at Real Madrid. Okay. So what the Saudis would be doing would be buying him likely for, for one year, paying him three-quarters of a billion dollars, and then he would likely end up at Real Madrid anyway when his contract runs out after a year. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I so mean, what if, if
0: the Saudi, Saudi Arabian club comes back and says, we'll offer you a billion they can do that. How much is Real Madrid going to offer him?
3: Not that much.
0: Real Madrid is the uh, among, if not the premier clubs in the world, though, right? Yes. N- n- they are n- the New York Yankees or Dallas Cowboys or whatever of 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 the EPL, correct?
3: Yeah. Between um, not the EPL but the Spanish league. So the Spanish
0: league, sure. Th- La Liga, yes.
3: Yes, I mean they could offer him Messi and Ronaldo in their final years in the Spanish league. We're making nine figures, a hundred million <laughs> between oh between gosh, salary man. and endorsements and everything. Wow
0: unbelievable uh more on this with justin angle and more on this with andrew in hour number two <laughs> it's just so crazy to think about the other one i meant to mention yesterday but we were we were so tight yesterday because andrew gave us so many great sound bites on the big sky kickoff um the new sean white docuseries on uh netflix or excuse me on hbo is uh it's awesome it's tremendous what cool parents he had or has uh and, and what a what a great story uh I, I, maybe we'll talk more about it when I finish it, but it, it, there's a lot out there right now, and and there's you know there's so many great documentaries, but so many of these documentaries have this arc to them, and and sometimes they're just flat depressing. I mean, like one of the American Gladiators ones, it gets really dark and it gets really weird. This Sean White one, I mean, there's certainly adversity, and and that's the the reason that you know storytelling is so important because the the best stories always have some form of adversity you have to overcome. But my biggest takeaway so far is just how generally happy it makes me. It's just a very happy, cool documentary about this really cool kid who just sort of caught lightning in a bottle and created, I mean, somebody, I mean snowboarding was around a little while before Sean White got into it. But when Sean White went and won the gold medal when he's nineteen years old and then went on and won two more gold medals, I mean, he he's an icon among icons. He's arguably the most famous athlete. In the Winter Olympics history. I mean, one of certainly, and, and certainly the most famous American of the 21st century. I think that's the lowest praise you could give it. And somewhere uh, uh, beyond that, I mean, Sean White, uh, truly an unforgettable icon uh, in his sports. So and it's fun. Just, just go go check it out if you'd like. Uh, all right, I want to play a little word association. Big Scott Conference. I mean, it's, this is word or phrase association. Big Sky Conference style. Uh, Andrew's back from the Big Sky kickoff. He was there on the ground in Spokane uh, yesterday. We heard a lot about the event in general and some of the vibes uh, coming out of the event. But, of course, I I kept thinking about it all night last night. And I, I do think that one of the most striking parts of the league is that there's just not a lot of unpredictability right now in the Big Sky Conference. There's... There's, I think there's a pretty definitive group of teams that are almost certainly going to make the playoffs this year. I think the Cats and the Grizz are both in that group. and Weber State, I think, is almost certainly in that group. And I think Sac State's going to be right there. They're the ones that maybe could fall out of playoff contention. I don't know. And I think Idaho, you know, barring an injury to one of their superstar offensive guys, I think they're absolutely right there as well. I think UC Davis is a very good team that has been sort of a fringe playoff team the last handful of years. And so I think that they're probably in that group that certainly should consider themselves contenders. They also have a favorable schedule as well uh, within league play. And then I think the rest of the teams, there's no real scenario in which you could convince me that they could put something together uh, to make the playoffs. I mean, maybe Portland State, maybe Eastern Washington, but I I think that they're both a long ways away. I mean, if they went 500 in league play, I think that you could talk me into that. But I just can't see a scenario where those teams are climbing up and winning five, six, seven league games, which I think that whole other group of five or even six certainly could. And then you have this bottom tier where I think it's going to be hard uh, uphill sledding for Cal Poly and Northern Colorado and Idaho State to get any wins. I mean, I I think that they will be underdogs uh, in pretty much every game that they play in league play unless they are playing against uh, each other. So... That's my main uh, sort of analysis as coming out of the Big Sky kickoff is that there's certainly going to be some delineation in that top group. So there's going to be an interesting Big Sky title race. I just think it's interesting that not only is half the league not title contenders, half the league's not really close to being playoff contenders either. I think that shows both the strength of the league, but also uh, – Sort of some of the deficiencies of the league, especially because it's such a big league with 12 teams. When you have 12 teams, you're going to have this this bottom tier. How many are in there, and you know how does that then influence the league race? When most, I mean, it would utterly shock me. It would not utterly shock me if Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, or Idaho State won league games. It would utterly shock me though if any of those teams beat any of the playoff contenders. So. What does that mean about the depth of the league? I think that's one of the main storylines coming out. I also think that the fact that the all-Big Sky preseason teams were I mean, pretty much chalk. There was only, I think, three or four guys on the list that I didn't vote for. When Andrew and I did a podcast breaking down the list, we were almost on a consensus at almost every single position. So I guess that's all to say that I think that the league is in a very interesting spot because the stability of the league, I think, is sky high. Pretty much every head coach in the league is a familiar name that has experience in the league. You have sort of a, a cut and dry hierarchy of the teams. You know pretty much exactly who the best players in the league are. That's all great. How does that add to the interest level? I do think that we're going to have a whole bunch of games that are just flat out wars in the big sky this year. But it's just, it's sort
3: of interesting, Andrew, how there's almost no unpredictable nature in the conference. Yeah, I guess the counter-argument to that would be you would have said the same thing about Idaho last year and you would have said the same thing about SAC three years ago now, right? Yeah, yeah, B- but, but B- Idaho last year was a surprise, certainly, but it, it is
0: not nearly... It, I, I guess agree or disagree. If Cal Poly or Idaho State made the playoffs this year, that would be significantly more shocking than Idaho making the playoffs last year.
3: Of course, but if, if Eastern made the playoffs this year or Portland that, State made true. the playoffs this that's year, true. that's where Idaho was last year. We are saying this is a team that might be 500 in conference, but they're not beating any of the top tier teams. Uh, that, that's, it's so true. It's so funny how used to
0: players you get when they're so so obviously great right away when you see them for the first time. Because then you sort of forget the. Like, I guess what I'm saying is we had no idea who Giovanni McCoy was until the second week of the season last year. And then you're like, oh my gosh, that guy's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He hasn't even played a league game yet. That kid's special. So who knows what Aaron Best has up his sleeve? Or, like you've been saying, you're very high on Dante Sacher at Portland State. What if this kid just freaks out and becomes, you know, an all conference type quarterback? There's a lot of factors that go into it. So. Uh, may, maybe you're right. Maybe there is maybe a little bit more unpredictability that I'm giving it credit for.
3: Your overall point is well taken, which I think that we are both very, very confident in the way that we have the league lined up in our tiers of teams in the Big Sky right. Conference. And clearly the coaches and the rest of the media are too because there's that gigantic gap between whoever the number 6 team was and whoever the number 7 team was in both of the preseason polls. All I'm saying is that this conference has a a history of surprise teams. And I just think that the way, I mean, generally that the way sports work is no matter how confident we are in our tiers of teams, it's really difficult for me to uh, count out a surprise team coming up from the bottom or, man, somebody getting hurt for one of the top teams who's really important and one of those top six teams not actually contending for the playoffs.
0: You want us now, ESPN Radio. Andrew Houghton chiming in here uh, on your uh, Tuesday. Andrew, our producer, back from Spokane, Washington, where he was representing us both here at ESPN MT and Skyline Sports uh, at the Big Sky's Media Days, which basically kicks off the Big Sky Conference season. So we're going to do some word association here. One last point on that, though, Andrew. Um... I'm not even trying to spin this as a good or bad thing for the league. I think it's just a fact, and I think that the Big Sky is actually sort of a microcosm, a pretty sharp microcosm of, of college football in general in the fact that the, the 2020 year with with uh, many, many of the levels of college football having to completely take it off, others playing a shortened season, it's stratified particularly financially and in investment in your program Um, And it made it so that money became the most important thing. It was always a important thing. It was always... I'm not naive. I know that it's always been a huge factor in college football. But money now... I guess what I'm saying is it's not a surprise to me that when you look at the top six teams in the league compared to the bottom six teams in the league, it's because of their financial situations. The one anomaly there is Northern Arizona because Northern Arizona is getting a bunch of state funding, a bunch of student athletic fees. When you're talking about who has the best attendance, who has the most interest in their programs, who has the best fan bases, who has the best facilities, the Big Sky is basically stratified from top to bottom. You could honestly argue that... uh, Probably the, the team that is doing the least with the most is Montana. But then you also have the old, the whole budget issue with the Grizzlies, just in terms of the way that they generate revenue, all that sort of stuff. But I, I don't know. I think it just draws a line in the San Andrew. But I would say this. The Big Sky is starting to get more TV exposure. That's good. The ESPN Plus deal, I think, has been good for the conference as a whole. The uh, fact that a couple Big Sky games will be on national TV this year for the second year in a row, I think that's also good for the conference as a whole. But if this if this league actually had a TV deal, just from a production standpoint, it would be a dream to schedule because you know exactly what the games of the week are. Like it wouldn't be that in the SEC sometimes you're having to pick between so many big games, or there's not this like this obvious game that stands out this week. Or this year, excuse me, in the big sky, each week there's one or two matchups where you're like, that's the matchups between the two playoff teams. This is going to be a defining matchup. It's going to be fun for us to cover because we're going to be able to give attention to just one or two games per uh, week, other than the ones that we're attending in
3: person. Yeah, it's very useful for us as guys who are yeah, trying sure. to put together totally. a schedule for the fall. It's, it, yeah, it's interesting. I, th- I think it's a little bit difficult for us, too, Coulter, because, you know, we are the guys who cover the entire league. Uh, you want to make sure you're giving at least a little bit of attention to those other couple games. You want to make sure that you're not just... Ignoring Idaho State the entire season, you want to check in on them, see where they're at. Oh, that's right, for sure. Even though, even you know, even if they do go winless, you want to see.
0: I, where mean, they're I at. mean, I am watching Northern Colorado Idaho State Week One of conference play in its duration. I promise you, we, we can watch it together. <laughs> it sounds sounds like a fun time. No, I, I totally agree with you. I, I it's more just tug in cheek that it would be uh, if you were just picking trying to pick a Big Sky game of the week this year. It's pretty obvious which one it would be on the schedule pretty much every week. And uh, there's a couple weeks though. Well, there's a couple games uh, they're going to be defining in the playoff race for sure. All right, let's do it. Let's play some Big Sky Conference Word or Phrase Association. It's actually funny because so much of what happened yesterday coming out of the kickoff with Montana State was was expected, so we actually didn't talk that much about the Cats yesterday. But Montana State is the consensus pick by both the league's coaches and the league's media to, uh, to win the Big Sky Conference. They were undefeated in the league a year ago and uh, won their first Big Sky title in 10 seasons. And they return a, a whole bunch of players, including everybody on the offensive line, two of whom, Rush Reimer and J.T. Reed, were uh, preseason All-Big Sky selections. Derek Snell, the fullback tight end, preseason All-Big Sky selection. Sebastian Valdez and Brody Grebe on the defensive line were preseason Big Sky selections as well. Uh, Sean Chambers as an all-purpose player, and Tommy Sullivan as a, a long snapper. So a ton of representation for the Cats on the all-league team. But none of that was that surprising. I think that uh, most people probably had Rush Reimer and Sean Chambers on their all-big-sky ballots. I think JT Reed was maybe an interesting one, but uh, go- I, I voted for him, so no surprise on my part. Uh, Derek Snell, I think everybody was uh, voting for Derek Snell at fullback because he was the only one nominated, but he's also definitely a first-team all-big-sky type player. And uh, no surprise with Sebastian Valdez or Brody Grebe as well. So uh, it was just interesting yesterday analyzing the Cats because there was so such little surprise about all the stuff that occurred for them. But all of that said, listening to your interview with Brent Vegan and then also talking to Nolan Askelson and Sean Chambers myself, and I know you talked to those guys as well, uh, My my phrase for the Cats is mission-driven. I thought the common narrative among every guy I talked to yesterday at the Big Sky kickoff was, Sure, we went undefeated in the Big Sky last year, but we got whipped in Brookings, South Dakota, and we know coming out of last year we were nowhere close. We know that there's a gap for us to close, and and it seemed at least. I mean, I know that's always the narrative coming out of fall camp. or coming into fall camp, excuse me, everybody worked so hard they got better, but this team seems mission driven. That's my phrase is uh, motivated by revenge to get back to where they were, even beyond. I uh, haven't been to the Final Four three years in a row.
3: They definitely are. I, that came across in a lot of those interviews. Everybody I talked to around Montana State, I think that's a little bit overblown because number one, everybody's going to say that at the Big Sky kickoff, regardless of what their mission is. I mean, every team in the conference has got a mission, and and also those are just kind of the questions they're being asked. There, how do you feel about coming back after losing the playoff game last year? The overall sense that I got from Montana I, I, State, I, just, I
0: just thought it was so classic, though. And we'll play Sean Chambers' interview with me later this week. Okay, Sean Chambers knew the exact date of when that game was. I mean, that's not that crazy, but he just recited the date, you know, December 21st, 2022. And he said, when we walked off that field at 5.34 PM or whatever, he, he, he could tell that he, even if it's just, you know, playing it up, he still had come armed with that information. He wanted people to know, I know exactly when we walked off that field. And for a guy like that, I think he was particularly motivated because he was not healthy for that game. He actually didn't play in that game. So uh, I don't know. I just, I do think that they are, perhaps just play into the crowd, but also I think that there's a sense of belief that that's really the truth.
3: Well, I will say one thing. That's the kind of loss that really, really sticks with you because I think that all season long, Montana State thought that they were the biggest dogs on the field. Yeah. And they were. Well, and, and when you,
0: right before you go to play that game, you whip your rival 55 to 21 in Bozeman, and then you go and just completely wipe the field with William and Marion, yeah. beat them 55 to 7 to go to the Final Four. You're feeling pretty good. And then you go get smacked in the face and you get pushed around a little bit. It, it, it probably was eye opening for them.
3: They were violently disabused of the notion that they had held all season. And so I think yeah. that that's probably why it stuck in their minds. But I just, you talked about this too. My word for the Cats would be just untroubled, man. Man, they don't seem phased by anything. They don't seem, uh, man, it just felt like they were above it. And you got that sense, obviously, from the polls. Uh, It just felt like they were on a different plane from everybody else. They weren't worried about anything. Uh, They were cool, calm, confident from talking to all those guys. Of course, Brent Vegan always is, uh, but the players were too. You us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana
0: Television, and the ESPN MT app. Like always, we're probably going to be uh, not have enough time to do this whole thing right now, so we'll have to roll it into tomorrow or something. But uh, how about Montana? Uh, I think that um, listening to your interviews, it was is just interesting the tone. You, you could tell that there was uh, a quest to really, really prove that they had returned to national dominance a year ago but also sort of some edge to that, a little bit of pressure. My phrase for Montana is just unlikely underdogs. I don't know. There, there's the cliche of well, if anybody can get a team going when they're picked sixth by the coaches, it's, it's Bobby Houck. Like, that would be a cliche that you could say. But that's actually, I actually don't know because Bobby Houck has only ever been the coach of the Grizz except for in his first year of his second stint when he came back and took over for Bob Stitt. That was the only year where Bobby Houck had like some rope to say, hey, here's all the things we're trying to fix about the program. Other than that, Bobby Houck has been the head coach of the Grizz. When the Grizz are the overwhelming favorites, when the Grizz are the team to beat, the big, bad Grizz, everybody wants to knock off the Grizz. When Houck took over the first time, 2003, the Grizz had won – Two national championships and played for two more in the last seven seasons. I mean, the Grizz won the national championship two years before Bobby Houck took the job. So they they were stacked with talent. Then he went on to win the Big Sky seven years in a row. This is not a position Montana picked sixth in the coaches' poll and third in the media poll. It's not a position the Grizz have been in in a long time. Preseason number 16, it's just interesting twofold, not only because there's the 16 by their name, but there's also
3: four Big Sky teams ranked ahead of them. This is just sort of uncharted territory for a Bobby Houck coached Grizz team. Yeah, but the Grizz are lurking, man. That's my word for them. I think, th- I think this is a place that suits them a lot better, especially because you have the direct comparison with last year when That's they right. were uh, the spotlight team at the Big Sky Conference Media Days. Picked to win the conference. Uh, every- Overwhelmingly picked to win the conference. I mean, in the place is buzzing. The Grizz are back. The Grizz are back. Right. You could feel it in the air. I don't think that suited them very well, and, and we saw it they on the field. It. I think that they, uh, this year... I mean, you know Bobby Hauk doesn't want the focus to be on, on where they're picked in the polls and how many guys they have on the all-conference team, and, and Bobby's going to say that every year to a fault. For sure. I still think it leaked in a little bit last year. I think this year it really allows him to drive that message home. I also thought that
0: is this just telling that even with the Grizz sort of, as you say, lurking, they still landed five guys on the, on the all-conference team. I think I I believe that Hunter McGinnis is the best guard in the league. I believe Alex Gubner is the best defensive tackle in the league. If Levi Janikaro becomes one of the best linebackers in the league, that will be zero percent a surprise. I think Junior Bergen is the best part return in the league, hands down, and one of the best skill players in the conference. I think Trevor Grant is the best special teams guy in the conference by a long shot.
3: So it's, it's still striking that even when the Grizz are sort of underrated, they still have so much talent. Well, and to piggyback on that, both of the guys that they brought to this Big Sky Conference kickoff, Colts, are experienced guys, starters, yeah. really great interviews, knew how to handle themselves, have been around forever. Those weren't any of the guys on the all-conference team. So they have totally. a depth of experienced guys who have been around the block and know how to handle themselves even below... The all conference guys. I, I also think this about the Grizz. I think so much
0: so much of their offensive, what do you say? Off, what's the word? It's because it's not ineptitude. It was just offensive mediocrity, uh, uncreativity, non creativity. So much of it was, though, the, the, the non creativity. That's what I'm getting at of the play calling. I, I guess. What I'm saying is, and Brent Vegan said this to one of Fritz Neighbors' questions when you guys were doing a dual interview. Vegan Fritz asked about the offensive line, and he said, well, we didn't have to rebuild the offensive line. We just had to rebrand the offensive line. We had to say, okay, here's what we got. We got a bunch of athletic guys. We don't have a bunch of 300-pounders. Let's run a scheme where we move these guys out on the edge. Montana State's offensive line talent is great. Their scheme, though, also puts their offensive linemen in a great position to succeed. What I'm getting at is a new offensive scheme for the Grizz. If I'm Brent Pease, I'm prioritizing letting my linemen play loose and fast and together. Get them out. You're talking about multiple multi-year starters in Chris Walker And A.J. Forbes, who was at the kickoff, the starting center. Brandon Casey is back for his third year as a starter. He's got to turn the corner at some point. And then you got McGinnis, who I think is one of the three or four best offensive linemen in the league. And if he has a good year, I think he'd be an NFL guy. Um, You you, you have to make that be a strength, though. You asked Bobby Halk a great question about that. you got to make it be a strength. But then if it is, now all of a sudden you flip the narrative on its head. The Grizz offensive line has been a weakness. If they let it be a strength, they make it be a strength, it's a strength, and now all of a sudden you have a completely different opinion about Montana.
3: Well, and the brand of their team last year, I love that word that you brought up, the brand of their team couldn't get away from the uncreativity on offense, from the the mediocrity on offense, right? That was what everybody thought when they thought about <laughs> yes. Montana halfway through the year. That stuff, man, I'm not a big believer in intangibles and l- like sure. stuff that you can't see and measure on the field. That stuff matters, though. That stuff gets into the locker room. That stuff gets into the program, right? You are what
0: you think about yourself. Riley Corgan and I talked about this extensively going into the season last year. He said, he asked me a great question. He said, what would be the number one factor that you think could derail the Grizz season? And I said, inequity between the two sides of the ball. If the defense is absolutely lights out, which they were at times last year, and the offense can't get a first down, that breeds a lot of conflict in practice every day. I mean, when I was going to practice last year, the, the the offense had really no chance to get any better because of the way they practiced, but also because the defense would just shove it down these guys' throats every single day. So I thought inequity could be something that that split. If the offense can be better and they can get their great talent like Junior Bergen and Aaron Fonts involved, now all of a sudden that inequity disappears.
3: Yeah, and I think that's something we'll return to throughout the fall because I think that's a narrative that uh, a lot of people are going to pick up on. Uh, Do you want to do one more? What do you have for Idaho? Um, (laughs) My phrase is kitchen fire, and that's not
0: that the dumpster's on fire. That's way different than the dumpster fire. There's a fire in the kitchen, and it's getting hot. Can you handle the heat? I think that's the biggest factor for Idaho. I, in my romantic heart, absolutely want to believe, and actually I do believe, that if there's anybody in this conference at this exact moment that can handle a, 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 a suddenly pressure-packed season with unbelievably high expectations, it's Jason Eck and Hayden Hatton. I think that's a pretty good duo to start with. And if Giovanni McCoy takes the next step, uh, the, the kitchen fire will will serve Idaho very well, I think. But it's just a matter of being able to mitigate it. you got to figure out if you can handle it. If
3: you can, you can ride the lightning, man. That's exactly what I say. I would use a different metaphor, but they've got the spotlight on them for sure this year. Yep. They're the glamour team, Coulter, and they're embracing it. For sure. Hayden Hatton and Jermaine Jackson rocking up to this thing in, in tuxedos. <laughs> so good. With with Idaho Vandals pins on the lapels and just and just dominating and crushing every interview. I thought that they were really I mean, good. How
0: the Idaho Idaho is has a real fan base, and that's a great thing. I can't imagine how excited I would be, though, if I was a follower or a fan of Idaho and you went through the Paul Petrino era and then came back with Jason Eck. I mean, it's just so great. And the fact that he's empowered Hatton to become what he's become, both as a player but also just as a star. I mean, we were talking about how he was the number one guy that was knocking on the door being a superstar. I mean, after you show up in the suit and you're posing in the pictures with with Alex Anzalone, I mean, you are now the star. I mean, and the conference did a good job of highlighting
3: that as well. But it, that comes from so much of Eck letting Hatton do that, letting him be himself. That's all I'm saying, man. I think they, I think they completely realize that the fire is getting hot in the kitchen for them, and the attention is going to keep coming. I think that they're lean, they're leaning into it, and I like that. It's going to get hot in the ring on Saturday night down at
0: uh, Ogren Park. The Missoula Paddlehead Stadium Fight Fusion. Fight night under the lights at the Paddlehead Stadium on Saturday night. We got two tickets for you. Plus, we got some guests to let us know all the ins and outs. That's next. Keep it right here. is Now, ESPN Radio. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9
2: ESPN Radio, Missoula.
0: I'm still riding my eye from Sunday night. It was a great time out there at the Kettle Amphitheater. We're going to be listening to some Incubus all week long because I just had such a great time. And I know everybody that was there from Missoula did as well. I've never been to a show where so many of the lyrics were sung for the duration of the time. It was so much fun uh, being there. And uh, if I were in India, great to see you. It's that time of year where there's tons of stuff going on around Missoula, including this upcoming weekend down there at Ogren Park. Uh, Allegiance Field will be the host of a little fight night under the lights. So this is a Saturday night down there at the Missoula Paddlehead Stadium. It's always a busy time down there because when the Paddleheads are in town, they play six nights in a row, but then when they're out of town, uh, the venue's open. So this is cool that the venue's getting used uh, for the height of summer. So coming up, just a few minutes, we got some tickets for you. But in studio now, we're joined... By Justin Harbison, as well as Matt Powers, a couple guys uh, from the Fusion Fight League. That's the, that's the promotion that's uh, here in town on Saturday night. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. How you doing? Absolutely.
1: Pretty good. Good. How are you?
0: Good. Well, first of all, Matt, long time no see. I haven't seen you in a long time, uh, but you've been involved in martial arts in various forms around Missoula forever. So just give people your, your martial arts background. Um,
2: well, it's a little less martial arts and more fist fighting. Just fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fighting in general. Um, but... Yeah, when I came to Montana, there really wasn't any MMA here. And we, as far as I know, we formed the first uh, fight team. Totally. And then from there, we started bringing in different promotions to put on fights. And uh, we've been here. This is our second decade, it's our 20th year. Well, that's so cool.
0: I. I I hadn't seen you forever because when I was a first a young journalist working uh, at the Masulian, one of my first assignments was to go cover some of the fights out there in in Rock Creek, and I never forget. It. I remember uh, Lloyd Cupcake Wooder knocked out somebody. I can't remember who he was fighting, but I remember interviewing him. I remember the big picture that we that we uh, ran of him, and it was Cupcake Reigns Supreme was the the headline. So uh, it, it's it's sort of cool though because at that time, MMA and and generally fighting in general was kind of on the rise. But in the 20 years since then, man, has it ever taken off? How, I mean, how have you seen it grow? Huge
2: difference. Huge difference. Um, well, back then, it was more it was more car crash kind of spectator, and totally. now it's a spectator sport. No, exactly right. That's right. And, and back then, people didn't really realize the nuances that these guys were actually using. Uh, with angles and technique and, and the pressure. So now a lot of people are a lot more educated when it comes to, to MMA as a whole. So it's a, the, the spectator is, is now really, you know, they they know what's going on a little more.
0: Well, and Justin, you've been uh, involved in this for a little while now, but you have one of the, the main fights here on Saturday night. So just give people your MMA background. You're from Missoula, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm a Missoula Sentinel grad, graduated in 2014, uh, went off to college in Great Falls, uh, wrestled at the University of Providence. Oh, wow. Uh, moved back here in 2020 um, and have been fighting ever since. Um, but I've been with Matt since I was 10 years old. Um, Sweet. I've been training. MMA for a long time now, and going to be making my pro debut on Saturday, so it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Well, how cool is that? Pro debut for a Missoula guy down at Ogren Park in Allegiance Field. Was awesome evening uh, on deck for you. It's the uh, Fights Under the Lights in Missoula on Saturday night, and we got tickets for you today and tomorrow. So right now, you want a pair of tickets to this thing? Call us, 406-888-1029. That's triple eight one zero two nine. We got a, a pair of tickets for you to fight fights under the lights at the Missoula Paddleheads uh, Stadium. Uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about this this uh, promotion, this Fusion Fight League. I mean, th- this has been around for a little while. Definitely one of the biggest ones in the Northwest. So, I mean, just give people the details.
2: Uh yes, sir. They actually do a really good job. I mean, they they bring in great athletes. Uh, we've got athletes coming in from all over. Um, uh, Las Vegas has a lot of good fight teams, and they're bringing some fighters up from Vegas. Um, but the promotion as a whole does a really good job. They bring in an athletic commission for fighting, which is something no one else in totally. doing a promotion is doing. Um, so they, they actually are doing it right, a lot more professional than, than you typically see.
0: Justin, what was the, the transition like then? I mean, a wrestling background gets you a great foundation, but you've also been working with Matt for a long time too. So how did this sort of come together? How, what got you back into doing this?
1: um i actually wasn't gonna do fighting right off the bat um i was gonna come back and just do wrestling but move it over to jujitsu and mm. do nogi competitions but then i started training fighting and fell in love with it and i was like this is what i'm supposed to be doing what 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 made you fall in love with it the competing side i'm a competitor i love to compete um i love performing for people um i've been doing it since i was a kid wrestling and it's something I enjoy. I live in that moment of I lo- live for that moment of being, and like performing in front of a bunch of people. It's a lot of fun. It's you can't beat it.
0: Well, that's gonna be so cool for you uh, on Saturday night. I we we talk all sorts of traditional team sports around here, but if you ha- if you've been paying attention a lot, I talk a lot about mixed martial arts and and just martial arts fighting, boxing, all that sort of stuff. Probably a lot more than other talk radio hosts do because. I grew up with this stuff. My dad was a fourth-degree black belt in Taekwondo. He fought semi-professionally. When he's in his 20s, he owned dojos all across the West until he moved to Montana. So, you know, I mean, my mom's even a black belt. So we have this in our family. Martial arts has been such a huge part of who my parents are, so then kind of who I am as well. But I always say this. I think that MMA now has become, I think, the most pure and most beautiful sport in the world. And I think a lot of people would say, you're crazy, man. This is a brutal sport, but we were talking. I mean, it is so much more refined now. the The skill level is unbelievable. But you have to have what you just talked about too. You got to have the mind. You got to have the mentality. Learning how to train or training to learn how to fight is only one part of it. You got to have the. You got to have it in you as well. So, I mean, you've been
2: working with this guy for a long time. It sounds like he just has it inside of him. Well, I actually met Justin coaching wrestling. Right. So it's um as a whole wrestlers tend to have that because at, at a young age they they're cutting weight they're they're thirsty and they know that they've got to keep going no matter right. how they feel right. so they've got that no quit attitude they've got that doesn't matter how i feel i've got to perform and that's really hard to teach if you don't have that wrestling background.
0: Well, Justin, what was the the most challenging part of, of adding stuff to your repertoire? I mean, uh, again, you got the, the probably the ground part down pretty good from your college wrestling career. I mean, is there anything tough that was uh, about adding striking and stuff like that?
1: It wasn't tough. I have, a, obviously, a great coach. Um, yeah, totally. It was totally. pretty easy transition. It just took time. Really? Um, it was a, a lot of, like, getting my body to loosen up, be relaxed, and really developing my own style. I think I, I came in with, like, that basic wrestler. I want to be heavy and just throw hard shots. Sure. Getting away from that took a little bit of time, but I'm, I'm ready to show on Saturday, uh, the level on that.
0: Well, if you want to watch this, uh, this is going to be awesome. Um, fight night under the lights They're uh, at the uh, Missoula Battlehead stadium. This is uh, part of the uh, fusion fight league promotion. And Justin Harbison is in studio with us. Uh, he's in the co-main event. He's gonna be fighting Brian Cromer. And this is uh, your heavyweight uh, matchup of the evening. You also have another uh, main event in this one, Connell powers and Eli Jamerson will fight uh, in the uh, featherweight division um, for the other main event. So, uh, Familiar last name, man. Matt is also in <laughs> studio with us. So, uh, Connell, your boy. So, I, I, it must be pretty cool for you to see your kid up there on the uh, the main stage.
2: It is, and it's it's actually emotional. Uh, I bet. But I mean, he's put in the time, and I think people are really going to be surprised at how good of an athlete um, we actually have coming out here. Not just because he's my son. No, totally. Um, he's been he's been throwing hands since he was three and a half. So he's it's in his blood and he just um he just he just does it well so there
0: is uh about 10 fights on this card and and three pro fights as well so um if people want to check this out first of all you can follow these guys on instagram i just started doing that last week when we first got in touch with these guys but they're a great follow you can follow all about the fusion fight league and fight tv and all this stuff uh, but if people want to get involved with this they want to go to this how do they uh, find tickets how, how can you attend this fight uh, I believe it's Fusion Fight League is the easy. Yeah, just Google Fusion Fight League. You can also just follow my Instagram. They got the ticket link uh, right there in their bio. But uh, July 29th, that's Saturday, uh, Ogren Park, Allegiance Field, uh, here in Missoula. Uh, how you? I mean, obviously, you prepare for this really hard. How you feeling mentally though going into this? You must be so excited to make your pro debut in your hometown.
1: I'm excited. Uh, I'm motivated, excited, and. It's like I said earlier, I'm ready to put on a show. Do you
0: have any idea about your opponent? And if so, what can you tell us?
1: Uh, he's, he's a veteran. He's fought a lot. Um, a lot of bare-knuckle fights. Um, I think he's going to come forward to, to fight me. Um, I'm ready to fight him, and it's going to be a fight. Something's going to happen.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Well, we A lot of people are, are uh, watching on TV, but a lot of people are, are listening on the radio. So give me your. I mean, this is the heavyweight fight. If you can't see this guy, this guy's a physical specimen. What, what are you coming into this fight at?
1: Uh, 245. That's How tall
0: are you? 6'4. Yeah, I was going to say, you're pretty tall. You're several <laughs> inches taller than me. Um, what, what was the most challenging part about your training, getting ready for this?
1: Um, I think it was. Just staying consistent. I've been on a bunch of pullouts, uh, schedule changes, um, and I've just stayed consistent. Um, I haven't veered from my goal. Um, stayed motivated and stayed in the gym. So
0: the consistency is the key part, right,
2: Coach? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what, what can people expect when they watch this young man on Saturday night? Um, they I, they expect, should expect to be surprised. He's a very, very large human being, for sure, but he moves like a featherweight. <laughs> wow. He's very light on his feet. He's in. He's out, and he's fast.
0: Well, this will be a, a great event, and we'll be hooking you up with tickets uh,
2: tomorrow again as well. Uh, anything else to, to add before we get you guys out of here? Uh, just we hope to see everybody there. You know, supporting. It. We are Missoula's team, so and we are the the oldest fight team in the state. So we'd love to have everybody come out and support the fighters. They put in a lot of time, um, and not just our team. There's Teams from Straight Blast and, and other local teams that are that are in there. Um, so they're all local athletes. So we'd love to see people support them.
0: Fights under the lights at the Missoula Battleheads Stadium on Saturday night. We'll give you an update tomorrow as well, give you some tickets. But thanks for coming in, guys. Best of luck, man. Thank you. Thank you. You want us now, ESPN Radio? How about some free sandwiches? It's Tag Tuesday next. Plus, we got our Treasure State stars. Don't change your dial. Keep it right here. You want us now, 1029, ESPN Missoula.
2: ESPN Radio.
0: Once upon a time, 311 and Sugar Ray came to Missoula. And I tried to save up all my money to go. And then uh, my parents told me I could only go if I found my own ride. And we couldn't find anybody to take us, so I ended up not going. But I got redemption. I saw 311 uh, last summer. Haven't seen Sugar Ray yet, though. What a classic tune. Welcome back. Juans now ESPN Radio, SWX by Ted Television, and the ESPN MT app. It's a Tuesday. That means it's a Tag Tuesday. We got twenty five dollar gift card for you to Tagliari Deli, the best sandwiches in the state of Montana. Don't uh, believe me? Check out uh, their reviews on the People uh, Magazine as well as the Food Network. They also a great place for Italian style goods like olive oils and pasta sauces. And they have two locations now: one in the Sawmill District, right below the Cognizant building, and one. Right next to the roundabout there, uh, Beckwith and Higgins. Call us right now if you want to try out Tag, uh, Tag Larry Deli. It's Tag Tuesday. Every single Tuesday here on Nuwad is now 406-888-1029. That's 888 Call right now, call number four. We got 25 bucks for you to Tag Larry Deli. We also got some more fight tickets coming up. We'll do that uh, in hour number two. I actually thought we only had uh, two total pairs, but we have two pairs for each of the next two days. So uh, we'll give you another pair of tickets in hour number two, but call right now if you want tag 406 888 Time now for our Treasure State Stars, presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, a great place in western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Uh, Treasure State star number one, how about all the Grizz that landed on the preseason All-Big Sky football team? Hunter McGinnis, who I think is one of the best offensive guards in the conference. Alex Gubner, who I think is the best defensive tackle in the conference. Levi Janicero, who uh, has elevated expectations to be sure, wearing Montana's vaunted number 37 jersey and uh, had a great second half to his junior year last year. Now he's back for his senior year, so he's expected uh, to be a big-time producer for the Grizz. Junior Bergen? Uh, as a punt returner, and then Trevin Gradney, Billings West product, who was a special team's ace a year ago and is expected to be the same uh, this season for the Grizzlies. Turner State star number two. How about all the Bobcats on the all-league uh, team? Rush Reimer and JT Reed of the offensive line were named to the squad, as was uh, Derek Snell, who was the fullback, and Sean Chambers, who was the all-purpose player, the, uh, the senior quarterback for uh, the Bobcats. And then defensively, Bertie Grebe and Sebastian Valdez, East, each land on the defensive line, and Tommy Sullivan named to the all-conference team as a long snapper. So for those counting them up, that's seven for the Cats, five for the Grizzlies on the uh, preseason All-Big Sky team. Weber State also had four selections on there. I think that those were uh, among the most in the conference. Idaho Atlanta four guys on the offense alone, uh, and then one on the defense as well, so five for the Vandals on there uh, as well. Thursday star number three, how about Catherine Burkoff? We talk about her all the time, but uh, she's making waves in a different way now. She is one of the great 50-meter backstrokers in the world. She, though, swam the 100-meter backstroke at the World Aquatics Championships uh, earlier this week, and she won her first-ever medal in the 100-meter backstroke, her first-ever international medal. Uh, She has won a ton of medals uh, at the World Championships, eight all told, She's also won two uh, at the same uh, World Aquatics Championships. Two golds, three silvers, and one bronze in short course World Championships as well. So this young lady has just so many different medals, but this is his, her first in the 100-meter backstroke. Many of those was, uh, those medals, all of those medals were in the 50-meter backstroke or some sort of relay. So uh, Burkhoff is a Missoula Hellgate product, uh, a Missoula native, and uh, just quite frankly one of the best athletes to come out of Montana in a really long time. I hope things line up for her. Uh, She is slated to uh, swim the 50-meter backstroke uh, at these World Aquatic Championships um, tonight. So should she advance, the semifinals are on Wednesday and the finals are on Thursday. So Katherine Burkoff already won a a medal uh, in the 100-meter backstroke, but she does her specialty, the 50-meter backstroke, tonight. And I hope things align for this young lady so she can make a true run at uh, the Olympics. I I think it's going to align for her. And I hope it does, because that would just be so cool to have an Olympian from Missoula. Thursday start number four, Walker Bennett of the Helena Senators. The American Legion baseball tournament, uh, state tournament, that is, is going on right now. So we'll have a a big update for you on that, both tomorrow and on Thursday. Um, Apologies that we haven't had more coverage of this. I was off Thursday through the weekend this last weekend, and then yesterday was the Big Sky kickoff. So uh, we are well aware it's going on. We'll have a full update for you of what's been going down there at the uh, state tournament, and we'll have some coverage of the state championship once uh, that comes about as well. But Walker Bennett, the hell of the Senators, he roped a 3-1 double last night to put the Senators ahead, and the Senators stayed ahead of the Billings Scarlets, and they posted a 6-4 win, excuse me, and uh, the Senators into the Legion Championship game for the third season in a row. So Helena, definitely one of the best AA at Legion programs in the state. Treasure State star number five. How about Townsend Cowgirl, Ella Beggar? She garnered the pole bending championships at the National High School Finals Rodeo. Her aggregate time, 59.615 seconds for her three go-rounds there in Gillette, Wyoming. Beggar is a junior at Bradwater High School, and uh, she had... Great times in all three of her goes, including a lightning quick time of 19.47 seconds uh, in the uh, in her third and final go. Now, she also was a state champion in Montana in Great Falls last month. And uh, she's the first local cowboy or cowgirl to win at the national uh, high school uh, rodeo finals since Sam Peterson did it in 2021. So pretty impressive for Ella Beggar. Uh you sort of just assume that we're going to produce great rodeo athletes out of Montana, but it's just cool when they go on and truly prove it and and perform on the national stage. I mean, a national championship, nobody can take that away from me. That's about as good as it gets. to say star number six. How about a couple uh, of guys that were legends during their careers at the Montana schools? Several decades ago, Larry Kristoviak of the University of Montana and Shannon Butler of Montana State, those two men were inducted into the Big Sky Hall of Fame. Kristoviak, of course, the first and only three-time Big Sky Conference MVP award winner for the uh, Grizzman's Hoops team in the mid-1980s. Finished his career as the all-time leader in scoring and rebounding in Big Sky Conference history and went on to play in the NBA Uh, for more than a decade and then re-entered the consciousness of Grizz fans as the head coach here at his alma mater won an NCAA tournament game and then took that to a coaching gig in the NBA and then a coaching gig in the Pac-12 at the University of Utah where he was at for 11 seasons so certainly a guy that's had a huge huge impact in a variety of ways in the basketball world out west and just in general and Shannon Butler a famed distance runner from Livingston who uh was one of the great distance runners in Big Sky Conference history during his time at Montana State in the late 80s and early 1990s. Won a national championship, was an All-American a variety of times. And uh, when you dive into the stories about Shannon Butler outside of the world of distance running, definitely one of the most unique and compelling individuals that we've ever come across. So uh, more on that soon, because that's something that we're definitely going to get an update on. Uh, But those were the... uh, the hall of fame inductees from the Montana schools uh, as the big sky celebrated their second uh, conference wide hall of fame induction over the weekend. Jersey star number seven. How about the Zootown town softball all-star team? This is the senior division. So this is U 16 softball, but uh, the, the Montana squad this, from right here in Missoula, it's based in Missoula. They beat Arizona 15 to eight and Southern California 12 to two on Sunday. That helped them finish six and one in pool play, and so they advance uh, to the knockout round. They they secured a semifinal berth. This is all going down in Missoula, by the way, at the Dale Claussen uh, Complex, the West Side Fields there, uh, over by Big Sky. So, um, pretty cool to have this and the AA uh, Legion tournament in town at the same time. The, uh, the Zootown All-Stars, they will play uh, against Arizona again, a, a team again that they just beat 15-8 to on Sunday. They'll play them tomorrow, I guess this morning they played, excuse me. I was looking this up earlier today. Uh, and then the championship will, will take place tonight. So we'll give you an update there on what went down in the earlier result. But uh, as of this last weekend, the Zootown All-Stars uh, into the championship uh, round, the semifinal round, um, one step away from the... Senior Little League World Series uh, in in softball. And then Treasure State star number nine. Young lady we talked about quite a bit during basketball season, particularly coming out of the state championship game uh, when Billings West defeated Kalispell Flathead uh, to take home the Class AA championship. It was a back-and-forth state championship game, but Courtney Grossman hit a go-ahead three-pointer for the the Billings West Golden Bears And that helped give them a little breathing room. And then West ends up going on to win their first state out, their first outright state championship in more than a decade. And to help send head coach, Charlie Johnson off into the sunset. It was, it turns out to be his last game as Bullings West head coach, but Courtney Grossman was an all state player this last year. And that shot was a big one. And she earlier this week committed to Eastern Washington. So that's interesting. A lot of times we have big sky conference caliber girls, basketball players in the state of Montana, But not a lot of times uh, do those young ladies go to different schools in the big sky. I've only watched Courtney Grossman live once, but uh, followed, obviously, last year, the AA season. But just my brief observation of her, she's going to fit in great in that Eastern Washington system. Uh, Jody Gleason likes really athletic, rangy guards that can get up and down and pressure you and press a little bit, and they can shoot it. And that's exactly what Courtney Grossman can do. So pretty cool. Uh, for the Billings West senior-to-be uh, on her way to the Big Sky Conference, but not where you'd predict. Montana Montana State? Nope, Eastern Washington, so that's interesting. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. It's our Treasure State Stars presented by Parkside Credit Union. Great place to get a loan because they love to say yes. Hour number two, a business angle with Justin Angle and more Women's World Cup talk. Plus, we'll keep on analyzing this uh, contract for uh, Mbappe. Unbelievable. Almost a billion dollars. Don't change a dial. No one is now, hour number two, coming at you, ESPN Radio.